0: start the Lord's Day together. I'd like to welcome everybody this morning. Please join me in the responsive reading. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. To the Lord, glory be his name, bring offering to offering Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. Judge the earth in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Praise the Lord. Please stand.
1: Holy God, we praise you today for who you are and for what you do. We've come to honor you, to worship you, to glorify you. and We pray that through our worship you will indeed be glorified and we will draw closer to you and to one another through the grace of the risen Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Before you're seated, take a moment share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship. Great to see you on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning, and uh, glad you're a part of this time of worship together. A few things I just want to highlight. Again, we're in Summer Sabbath, so next week worship is at 10 o'clock. You'll notice on the back of the bulletin that uh, we remain in the schedule until August 21st, so just uh, to make you aware of that. Uh, starting next Sunday night, our uh, district camp begins here on the campus of Houghton College. There's some information in the, back, in the bulletin as well about that. Uh, We're also uh, in the middle of taking a survey about our Wednesday night children's program. Uh, If you have a phone or something that will connect with a QR code, you can click that. that's in the bulletin, or you can uh, use the web address here. Uh, If you don't have uh, access to the Internet, and we'd love your input still. Just contact the church office, and we'll uh, print out a form for you. But we want to get some input about what the Wednesday night children's program might look like as we're contemplating some various uh, options. So your, uh, your input in that is greatly appreciated. And also we are continuing with our initiative about raising funds and awareness about refugees. And a few months ago we handed out these jars. Uh, we are going to collect these September 4th, uh, so a little over a month. We're about 10 weeks into the, uh, I think today would be 10 weeks into the process. So uh, just, I've had different people say, uh, where exactly are we in this? And so I wanted to make sure that, that uh, just give you a heads up about that. And you see some information in the bulletin about that as well. It is always a great joy to uh, welcome new children into our family and also to dedicate them to God. And we have the privilege of doing so again this morning. Nate and Eileen, God has blessed you with this little one, and today you come to dedicate God's gift back to him. You're here today because of your own faith in Jesus Christ, and in this public act of dedication, you are declaring your desire that she would be raised in the love and grace of God within the nurturing spirit of the church. In this act, you are welcoming the prayers and the support of the church and declaring your desire that she would learn early the things of God, that her life would be defined as a lifelong commitment to God, that at the very end of her life she might receive the promise of eternal life with Christ. But in order that this may be accomplished, it will be your duty as parents to teach your child early the fear of the Lord, to watch over her education, that she may not be led astray by false teachings or doctrines, to direct her mind to the Holy Scriptures as expressing the will and authority of God for all humanity, and to direct her feet to the sanctuary, to restrain her from evil associates and habits, and as much as possible to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Will you endeavor to do so with the help of the Lord? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, we read these words. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. What name have you given your child?
2: Ruth and Jacoby.
1: Ruth and Jacoby, on behalf of your parents, your family, and this congregation, I dedicate you to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I uh, like to mention, when we dedicate our children to God, this is uh, the bringing together of of a three-part covenant that uh, we're entering into today around Ruth. Uh, The base of it is God and his love for her, his grace in her life. He has been at work in her life and will continue to be. And uh, Nate and Eileen have made their commitment on one side of this uh, triangle, and uh, they have declared their desire to create an atmosphere in their home in which following Christ is the most natural thing in the world for Ruth to do. But we also play a significant role. We, as the church, uh, represent God. And uh, so often our view of God is shaped by the church. And so uh, we have a great responsibility both in structured ways and in uh, unstructured ways to uh, to be God's grace and mercy and presence in her life. Yeah, that's right. You believe it, don't you? So I'm going ask you to stand and to affirm your commitment to Ruth and her family. As the church of Jesus Christ, will you, with the help of God, do everything possible to help Ruth grow in the nurture and grace of Jesus Christ? Will you love her? Be a godly witness to her. And will you help her to know and accept the grace of God in her life? If so, answer we will. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come today and again give you thanks for the wonder and the gift of little children. We know that you love children. You've created them and blessed them, gifted them. And we know your heart's desire is for them to know the flourishing of life in you. And this is our prayer for Ruth. We pray that even at this young age, she will begin to have something in her that knows of your love and your grace and your faithfulness. Lord, we pray that she will always know how much you love her and that her heart will be always turned to you fully and completely pray for Nate and Eileen that you would give them all the grace that they need to create an atmosphere in their home that would make following you the most natural thing in the world for Ruth. We pray that you'd give them patience and love and wisdom and and all that they will need in this great and wonderful responsibility and privilege of being parents. We pray for Elizabeth as an older sister that because of her desire to follow you That her little sister will want that as well. And we pray that you would bond them together in your love and grace. And Father, help us as a church. Help us, Father, to be your eyes and your hands and your feet and your voice into this young life. And as she grows, because of our influence through your Holy Spirit, she would want to follow you and to know you and to be connected to your people. Father, we thank you for Ruth for her life, and we pray that as we've dedicated her to you today, that her heart will always be designed and desire have a desire to follow you. And we pray this through Christ Jesus, Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Bear, this is a week of. Just completed a week of Royal Family Kids Camp. Last Sunday, if you were here, you heard uh, a, uh, information about what the camp was, was going to be, and today we had the privilege of hearing a little bit about uh, what happened at the camp. Zach Rome, one of the co directors, is here, and he's going to be sharing a bit uh, with us this morning about Royal Family.
3: At the end of a Royal Family week, we hear a lot of feedback from campers, counselors, and staff. We receive some comments like, I will miss Eric, or it is fun, we swim, play games, and have a carnival. Cassie, a veteran camper, reported, I like Royal Family Kids Camp because it is very fun, and I like spending time with my counselor and buddy camper. Also, I like what we do here. It's just an awesome camp. Also, they teach us about God and Jesus, and I like that. Jimmy concurred, declaring, I like the carnival. I loved camping out with the best counselors, the wonderful things I made, and the boat ride. Fishing was a fun time. I caught two fish in one day. It's fish story. I like that we talk about Jesus and learn about him. I loved Royal Family Kids Camp because of the awesome times we had. The campers watched the daily drama story unfold where Vinny, a youngster from a fatherless home, wrestled between cheating and doing the right thing in a race. At the same time, campers saw through the Bible story taught by Ann McNeil each day the struggle of Peter and his discipleship under Christ and how Peter became the rock of the church. These comments about fun and learning often have a deeper association with them too. Betty, a 12-year-old camper, said that she had so much fun this week that she didn't want to leave. One of her best memories was on the speedboat where she got to touch the water. Also, she said, smiling but with tears streaming down her face, my hand smelled like fish afterwards. A fellow camper remarked, I like Royal Family Kids Camp because it is fun. I enjoy meeting new people and seeing old friends. I came here to enjoy this place. I also came here to not remember something terrible happened, and it affected me. So that is why I came to camp, to enjoy myself. A male counselor, putting one of his campers to bed, was struck by a camper's words. Why do you tell me you love me so much? No one else ever tells me that. It may be easy to write Royal Family Kids Camp off as a, any old summer camp place where the kids go and they simply have fun, but it's more than that to these children. We saw Nate at the beginning of the week in his bodyboard and snorkeling goggles in the pool. On Tuesday, he worked up the courage to swim part of the length of the pool without any help from the staff or nearby member. On Thursday, he was proudly jumping into the water, trying to catch a ball midair without his goggles or bodyboard. He learned more than how to swim. He learned that he could trust others. And he learned that he was capable of overcoming his fears. At the end of the week, Nate said, It's not like your house. My cabin, it's full of lots of places to sit and talk for a long time. At camp, even though Nate's not exactly the conversational type, nor is he the type to sit still for any time at all, he had a counselor who devoted time and energy to him. And Nate noticed. Nate saw a bit of what makes a healthy home. A home where people can sit and talk for a long time. We had 83 volunteers during the camp week who helped to make this happen. Many more outside of that. We had nearly as many prayer partners and in addition, many financial supporters. About a third of those 83 on-site volunteers came from outside of this geographical area. On a mission trip from Michigan... Connecticut and even Washington State to make Royal Family Kids Camp Houghton possible. Thank you for your support in finances, in prayer, and service. God spoke into the lives of our 52 campers this week and into the lives of those who were with them. As one of our new volunteers remarked on Friday, this camp has changed my life. I would like to report a very successful 22nd year of Camp Number 22, RFKC Houghton. If you are not yet involved, I hope you consider stepping forward as a supporter or a volunteer and that you pray for the children and volunteers over the oncoming year. Thank you.
4: Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together.
0: Standing for the reading from the gospel. I'll be reading from John chapter 14. And greetings, by the way, from Kevin and Todd and Mary Leach. Kevin is down at Todd's church preaching today. John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater works than these things, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Please be seated. As the ushers come forward
4: to receive our tithes and offerings, Let's sing the doxology together. Praise God from
1: together, and uh, if you look in the bulletin, you notice that there are a number of prayer concerns related to us as a church, the community and the communities around us and the world, and ongoing things continually happening. Praying for uh, the work of God's people in various places of the world, and uh, if you've you've seen there in the missions moment, uh, talking about Dan and Kathy Moore having just returned from Russia, praying for good fruit from that trip, and also for uh, Calvin and Paul at Shear and some of their family members who are preparing this week to go to Romania for a little while. And uh, we're going to ask them to come and maybe stand or kneel here at the altar. And as we pray together, if you would like to come around them and offer your prayers and your support for them, then I would invite you to do that. And the altar is open to anyone, all of us, who would like to come and uh, would like to kneel here or sit in the front chairs and offer our prayers as we pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that in the midst of life's difficulties, in the midst of the struggles and the pain, heartache, disappointments, because of Christ, we can say it is well. This morning, Father, we come in that truth, in the acknowledgement of Christ who you are and what you have done and what you have promised to do and what you're doing in the moment, we offer our prayers. We pray, Father, today for ourselves and the needs that in our lives and that we represent. We pray, Father, that through your compassionate power that you will hear our prayers for all who are suffering and struggling with issues of physical health. I think especially today of Tammy Dunmire, Lance Weaver, Luke Heisinger, Wade Marsh, Sheldon Emerson, Doug Bogdan, Barb Rangel, Bob Jobert, Laurel Buecher, Bill Getty, Warren and Ella Woolsey, Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, Jill Tyson, Bruce Brenneman, Bev Rett, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Emily Cricklark, and others who may be on our minds today. We pray for all who who grieve, for all who have experienced a recent death, and for all who may be marking the anniversary of a death. We pray for your comforting presence. We pray for all who are lost and wondering, for all who feel hopeless, restless about life. Pray for your peace. We pray for all who are in a time of transition, some by choice, perhaps some not. We pray for grace in the midst of transition, that we would know your, your peace, your strength, and the sense of hope about something new and your presence in the midst of it. Father, we thank you for the ministries of this church, but we also pray for the ministries of churches around us. Today we pray for the Dalton Assembly of God Church and Pastor Hepler. We pray your grace and your blessing upon them and all that they do. That they would continually share your grace and mercy to those around them. Father, we pray for the the world beyond us. We pray, Father, for the needs of those beyond us, and we think of royal family and we praise you for the good week and we pray that what has happened in the lives of these children in these days of camp would continue, would be lifelong in their journey on this earth. We pray that you would bring healing and grace and mercy upon them. And Father, we pray for the work of your people in the world. and We thank you for the opportunity Dan and Kathy Moore have just had in Russia. And we pray that there would be great fruit from that time. And for Calvin and Paulette and Crystal and Adrian and others who are going with them, we pray, Father, for your grace upon them. Protect them as they travel, and may their, their time there be helpful. May they, their hearts be changed, even as they have opportunities to share your grace with the people of Romania. Pour out your blessings upon them. And Father, we pray for our world, and we grieve with the people in France. It's hard for us to comprehend what would, would create such an atmosphere in a person's life to, to injure, and to, to kill so many people. We pray, Father, that you will, you will minister to the grieving, that you will bring grace to those who are filled with fear and anxiety. And we pray that you would bring peace to our world that is so filled with violence. We pray, Father, for the people of Turkey in this coup attempt and for threats and war all over this world. And we pray that through your grace you would bring peace. We continue to pray for refugees as they struggle to exist in difficult circumstances. We pray for your grace and healing and mercy upon them. And Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters who who live in places where there is opposition to the faith. We pray for people who, who are opposed and threatened. And we thank you for those places where, where Muslim neighbors are helping their Christian neighbors build churches and get along. And we know that is only because of you and your grace in the midst of those circumstances. We pray that you will continue to change lives, continue to help your people in these most difficult circumstances to be salt and light and healing, even to those who may oppose them. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you that when we offer to you our prayers, you not only hear, but you are at work. And we thank you. Be glorified in who we are and all that we do through your grace. And we offer our prayers in the strong and powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: Please stand for this gospel reading. John chapter 14, starting verse 15, and after the scripture reading, children may be dismissed for children's church. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him And I, too, will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you will be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Is that working? There we go. I knew we could get it. Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be up here this morning and have the opportunity to share with you a little bit about our experience at Love Buffalo. Uh, and, you know, what we do there, why we do it, and, and all that good stuff. But before we jump in, let's let's have a quick word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your many blessings to us. I pray now during this time, that uh, your Holy Spirit would guide. Testing one, two, there we go. Okay, so Love Buffalo. Uh, I really love the Love Buffalo event, and uh, not because of all the quality sleep that we get, or not because of the way that the van smells by the end of the second day. Uh, I love it for the opportunities that it affords our students to serve and to find ways to interact with other people in different generations and different cultures and to show love in concrete ways and to connect our faith very intentionally with our actions. We love others out of gratitude for Christ's love for us and what he's done for us. And you can be very proud of your students. They worked hard in the hot sun. You guys that are here, stand up. Where are you? You love Buffalo people. Go ahead. Stand right up. Be bold. Yeah, they did a great job. They're not all here, but they're, there's one way up in the balcony, too. Thank you. They worked really hard, without complaining, doing a difficult, messy, and not always super safe job. They were polite and respectful to people and full of joy. At times, they were singing on the while they worked, and, and people commented on it. The hotel staff, the project managers, the homeowners, uh, neighbors. They all commented on these things with regard to our students, and I was very proud of how they did. We worked alongside a group called 716 Ministries, which used to be West Side Ministries. I know many of you are familiar with that. They're kind of expanding their scope. And in conjunction with a new church on the east side called City Reach. It's right off the 33 on Eggert Road, and it was at that church that we held our. Uh, we were kind of based out of there. We had our meals there. We, we held our rallies there each night. And so those groups identified a homeowner in the city and, uh, who needed help, and we scraped and painted the house in four days. Uh, when we arrived, we realized quickly that the home that we were working on had no connected utilities. There's no electricity or water or, or uh, gas in the house, and so we had to borrow the water and electricity we needed from the neighbors. And at the end of the project, when we presented a Bible to the homeowner and we prayed with her, she was very grateful, and she talked about what a blessing it was not only to have work done on her house and repairs made, but also to have been around our students as they were working, and, you know, she could hear them inside there working away and talking and just uh, singing and having fun, and so it was a blessing to her. And our students could tell you more stories about the homeowner's grandson who worked alongside us for a little bit, and, and about a neighbor kid who hung out with us a little bit and helped and, and wanted us to come over to his house next and build him a wrestling ring out in his backyard, and so they could give you all kinds of stories about him. But a few weeks before the event, the organizers called me and asked me to speak at one of the rallies there. We had four rallies, and they gave us the theme verse for the week, and each of us as speakers, had a little bit different direction to go with that verse. And our theme verse for this year was John 14, 12. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. I have to tell you, this verse gave me a lot of trouble. The same works as Jesus... Greater works? I mean, did Jesus really think that statement through before he made it? In the book of John alone, he does things like turn water into wine. He healed people, right? He healed blind people. He fed thousands of people with one happy meal. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. Greater works? I'm not sure I can even picture what greater works look like. It's difficult to understand, and I'm sure I don't have it completely nailed down. But this morning, I just want to share with you a little bit about what the Lord has been teaching me over the last several weeks as I've been kind of immersing myself in this scripture. So in John 14, Jesus is saying goodbye In chapter 13, Jesus and the disciples have had their last supper. The meal has been eaten, and it's a solemn moment, but Jesus begins to act strangely from the disciples' perspective. He washes their feet, which is just not usual, right? He's the leader. He shouldn't be doing that. And you get the sense that the disciples feel like this is getting weird. Something is not right. And he starts talking about going away to a place that the disciples can't follow. And he says something along the lines of, you know, you guys really need to take care of each other now. Love each other. And Peter famously says, why can I not follow you now? I would die for you. And Jesus responds, Peter, even before the day is out, you're going to deny me three times. The disciples must be feeling like something is going terribly wrong. Three years ago, right, they left homes and businesses and families to follow Jesus. They've already burnt the boats, as Mike said last week. They've spent the last three years following Jesus around, becoming more and more convinced that He is the Messiah. It's really Him. He has the words of life. And only a week ago at the triumphal entry, they must have been thinking this is it. He is the Messiah, and He's going to take over and He's going to fix everything. Israel will be restored to her rightful place in the world. He will sit on the high throne and we will sit on thrones beside him and will rule the world. But now, Jesus is leaving? What's that about? In chapter 14, Jesus even mentions his own death. And so now the disciples are facing this prospect of life without Jesus, of being alone in the world, orphaned as it were, They're feeling unsettled and worried and afraid. And so as Jesus continues the conversation here in chapter 14, his purpose is to reassure his disciples, to reassure them and to equip them for the kingdom work that he's calling them to do. And his words come initially as a life-giving breath of air, right? He says, don't let your heart be troubled. And in verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. Don't be troubled or afraid. And this admonition to trust, to be at peace, I believe it has a couple of different aims. And the first I would describe as sort of a a defensive kind of element, right? Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving. Some of the days ahead are going to be painful. The world is full of darkness and difficult situations. The limitations and realities of human existence can be very depressing. They can make us worry. They can make us afraid. A difficult diagnosis. A damaged relationship. Addictions. Loneliness. Uncertainty. We've heard recently of these you know, horrific terror attacks. And there are wars and natural disasters and, and poverty and, and politics. Whatever you're facing, Jesus says, trust me. And of course, the value in that statement is in the one making it, right? I mean, I can, I can reassure you. I can say, hey, it's going to be okay, but, you know, I, I'm just just a guy. I don't have any, any pull, any, any sway over what happens. I'm not always able to deliver on my promises despite my best intentions, right? But this is Jesus. He's God in the flesh, And the Apostle John goes to great lengths in this passage to demonstrate this fact. He records several times in the chapter Jesus explicitly saying or implying that he is God. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. My Father who lives in me and does his work in me. And this is who's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. The creator of the the universe says to us, Trust in me. God is in control. And and that's sort of the defensive aspect of the message. Jesus says, things are going to be rough, but trust me. But this statement is not only about being protected from the world. I believe that there's also sort of an offensive element here. Jesus is leaving his disciples with a mission. He has a job for them. Jesus came to earth to inaugurate or to set in motion his kingdom here. And he's saying to those who would follow him, Don't be afraid to risk. I'm going to ask some difficult things of you. Have courage. To advance my kingdom, you'll be going into some dark places. In fact, if you follow me, you will accomplish all the things I have done and even greater things. I think there are two elements in this passage that make such a crazy claim possible. The gift of the Holy Spirit and an obedient heart. Jesus tells his disciples, I won't leave you alone like orphans in the world. That's verse 18. When I'm gone, the Father will send to you the Holy Spirit. You know, he lives with you now. And then he will indwell you. He will never leave you. He will lead you into all truth and teach you everything. If you love me, obey him. Twice in this passage, verse 16 and verse 26, Jesus describes the gift of the Holy Spirit, and three times he says, Those who love me will obey me. Now, this year at at Love Buffalo, they gave me a new title and a t shirt Project Manager. This is, it's a pretty big deal, really. Uh, Project manager, yeah. And so at each site, and I think there were nine different sites this year, I found out at the end, uh, they have a project manager. And the project manager's job is not to work. Oh, no. We have worker bees and peons for that, all right? So the project manager's job is to step back from the big, larger project and to kind of keep that bird's eye view take into account all the resources that we have available, the people, the time, and apply those things to the project in order that you can get it done, right? And now it's easy, if you're one of the little worker bees, to be very focused on your particular section, right? You're, you're in one section of the house, and you're all day spending scraping and painting that one little section, and you don't see the greater work that's being accomplished, And it's hard to keep that... You may never see the big picture in that instance. And you see where I'm going with this, right? I think often when we think about God's will for our lives, we think sort of big picture stuff like uh, a spouse or a career or a major life change or a change in direction. But I think what God has been teaching me is that as I'm able to be aware of and obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading... Moment by moment, he has the big picture in mind, right? He's accomplishing the greater work in the world. My role is to say to Jesus, you know, uh, what do you want me to do between now and lunch, right? I just want to be obedient each moment, each step, every decision. And if I can do that, and you can do that, and every follower of Jesus does that everywhere around the world. If we all follow the promptings of the indwelling Holy Spirit who lives inside us about the person or the decision or the situation that's right in front of us, and we're obedient, each of us focusing on our own little area, God is accomplishing great works throughout the world fantastic, unimaginable works. Prayers are answered in miraculous ways and people are led to the Father. God is glorified and His kingdom on earth is advanced. And I think it's probable, you know, that from our perspective, we may never here on earth see the entirety of the things being done for God's kingdom. Our perspective is just too narrow, but our role is to just obey. All who love me will do what I say. I I grew up in a tradition that didn't do a lot of liturgy or symbolism in their services. And so I have grown to love some of the things that we do here as a church. And we saw one of those demonstrated this morning when Lily came in with the flame and lit these two candles here on the communion table. And I I just love this image. For me, it's a vivid reminder that when we gather together for worship, for prayer, to read the scriptures, to hear the word preached, God is among us. His presence is here. And of course, we not only celebrate God's presence with us, but the light reminds us of the salvation that God's presence brings. And as light is a revealing agent, so the flame reminds us that God is revealing himself to us here today. But the light doesn't stay here, does it? In a few minutes, Lily will be back and take the flame back out of the church. Reminding us again that Jesus has given us, as his followers, an impossible mission to carry that light into the world. Greater works. The good news is that to live a life of peace and courage and to fulfill the purpose that God has designed for us We need only to listen to the Holy Spirit as he directs. To be attentive, moment by moment, to his leading and to obey. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would enable us to listen each moment to what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. receive the benediction as you carry the light of christ into your world this week live each moment by the power and direction of the holy spirit amen